You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Earth Station One. That's right folks, we are back and we have a lot to talk about. We are going back to the 80s. That's right, we are looking at the movies of 1980 and we've got a great crew to talk about it. And I never realized how many films that I have grew up with and watched and, you know, that are now iconic in some ways came out in 1980, including Empire Strikes Back. I just was less like, wow, you know, when I started doing our research and everything for this, this is just, this is going to be amazing. And this could be a ton of fun. And speaking of a ton of fun, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy. Hey, Hi. hey, I'm trying to lose the weight. I'm trying. Well, now that we're all stuck in our homes, you know, you got to do something, you know, just keep the calisthenics going or something. Yeah, maybe half ton of fun, maybe, you know, quarter ton. Well, you know, we're podcasters. We're supposed to be a barrel of monkeys fun, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, but hey, what can I say? You doing good this week, sir? Well, as good as be can be expected, yes. Uh, okay. No, I understand that. And it's it's interesting times and we got a lot to talk about this week. So, you know, please, we would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation one at esonetwork.com. You know, let us know how you guys are doing. We definitely would love to, you know hear what's going on, how everything's going, and, you know, how you guys are surviving this stuff. And, you know, we we talk this way. We're here to entertain because we know a lot of people are not so happy right now. And we've got, you know, it's our job. It's our job to make you happy. And so that's what Mike and I are going to continue doing till the end of time. We're going to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Right? <laughs> Uh, hey, 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 then people want to like see the end. So, uh, so yeah, we don't want to do that. But yeah. uh, uh, and just to let everybody else know too, I mean, if you you know if you guys get uh, lonely out there, um, our Facebook group is happening, and it's a fun place to interact with people if you can't do it in real life. Exactly. We also have an Instagram group, and we uh, we have Twitter, but we're still trying to figure that one out a little bit. But yeah, Facebook, there's it's constantly updated. We got a great bunch of people both in the earth station one group but also up in the eso network group so definitely check us out and if you like what you hear please tell your friends about us you know we definitely would love to you know in these times podcasts are becoming more and more popular so please tell people about earth station one we definitely would love you know to get more people up here to talk to them to hear us to get them more involved we would love to have more people up on our show and talk with us about different topics. And, you know, we're trying out new things. We're throwing things like up against the wall and see what's sticking. So it's pretty cool. And before also, you know, we also have a great Patreon. And, you know, folks, please, this is how the ESO Network is making it through this. You know, you can help support the ESO Network for as little as $1 a month through the ESO Network Patreon. Uh, we have four different tiers. We have a dollar, we have $5, we have $10, and we have $15. Not that much. I actually heard a Patreon uh, the other day for another podcast. It's a musical group and stuff. They were offering for people who have, you know, big time money, $1,000 a month. 
you know, to, and it, they said, if somebody donates a thousand dollars a month to their Patreon, they will play live at their house or wherever they want. That's pretty awesome. Actually. We'll do that for much cheaper. Oh yeah. Hell for 20 bucks. <laughs> we'll come and record a podcast at your home. <laughs> but you have maybe, to be- maybe later. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have to stay with us and not just pay us 20 bucks, you know, and then say, oh, I'm pulling it after we do our show and everything. But so. we understand that times are tough here. And look, there's a, a lot of things, but um, I will make it known too that just at the dollar level, just at the dollar level, uh, you get at least all the podcasts that Ashley and I have been recording about the Better Late Than Never series. Right now we're tackling Westerns. I'm about to release a new one this week. Um, so we we'll keep on recording those, obviously, without any new movies on the horizon. Uh, we're just dipping back into the deeper into the Western uh, front, so to speak. So um, and we're going to release all those Patreon only. Uh, but all, if, to listen to them, you just have to give us a buck. That's it. And uh, they're all yours. So uh, uh, hopefully uh, you guys will check those out. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. And, you know, you could help support us by just going to patreon.com slash ESO network. Pretty simple folks. And as a little bit of bonus, we also, you could get ESO network window stickers. You can become a victim in the geek seat, you know, or if you go to dragon con, you know, you could actually be on one of our panels with us. So it's all pretty cool for folks who want to donate. All the levels are listed up there. And you know what? It's just a great time to be part of the ESO network. Speaking of that, all you have to do is wish sometimes, and you get things granted. We have our friend Robert Young here from Borderlands Comics. How's it going, guys? How are you, Rob? Man, doing good. Just trying to weather all the insanity that we're all uh, we're all dealing with right now. I, that's. I'm going to just jump in with both feet. Are you guys doing okay right now up there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, as good as you can do, right? Um, so the, uh, the store, uh, Borderlands right now, we are, we're open. Um, we haven't, uh, what do they call it? Uh, stay at home safe for all the different things. Everybody's saying, um, we're able to be open. Um, not really a ton of foot traffic to be honest. So it's not like it's a, you know, a real issue. Uh, but we're, we're doing stuff like delivery and curbside pickup and, uh, shipping and all those kind of things to try to get nerdy stuff in people's hands who are stuck at home that is awesome i'm glad you're able to so they have greenville has not um set of that you have to, all stores have to be closed or anything like that yet no they haven't and i think i mean a lot of it is because um i mean granted this is you know we all do our own version of what we think when we probably don't have all the information but um but i think it's that you know south carolina really doesn't have the population density of places like Atlanta and New York and LA and Chicago. And so we're just not getting as high a percentage of cases, if that makes sense. No, uh, totally. It probably makes sense. That. Yeah. So that's awesome. I'm glad, you know, you were able to, you're hopefully weathering this and everything. And I was really sorry to hear that um, South Carolina Comic-Con had to get moved to July now. Yes. Um, that is uh that has been a thing. So July 18th and 19th. Um, and it has been a, uh, it's been a kind of a crazy deal, man. Um, we, we really had no idea, um, when all this stuff started that it would end up affecting us this way, but, uh, you know, they, they pulled our, our permit. Now, granted, I think we would have, if it had blown up to this point by then, we would have done it 
anyways, right? But sure. um, but they they pulled the permit. I guess what was that a week ago, week and a half ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and we were able to get a date. Unfortunately, it's the week before uh, San Diego Comic Con, and that mm-hmm. is we'll have some guests. You know, we already have had some guests that couldn't come, and uh, because they'll be at the con, hopefully everything goes well. Um, so we'll we'll see. Well, I'm glad that you were able to um, uh, secure new dates. I mean, a lot of the shows that Mike and I were scheduled for just had to cancel outright, you know. Um, so uh, it's good to see that you guys are uh, have secured a new date in the summer. And uh, yeah, sure, it's probably going to be a new show. But knowing you guys, you're going to still bid on the best show that that uh, best show around, right? Uh, we're going to do the best best we possibly can. And you know, I got to be got to be honest. And I know they're probably never going to hear this, but I'm really thankful that uh, the Greenville Convention Center handled us the way they did. Uh, they were really cool with us. Um, the The actual gentleman who manages the entire convention center called me and I, I worked with him and we were able to find a date together, you know, on the phone and, and he was gracious. And uh, I'm just thankful that, that we could make it work. I mean, this is a, you know, for me, this is a labor of love, but I mean, as you guys know, um, my wife, just kills herself on this. And she mm-hmm. puts in, I mean, literally thousands of hours, you know, on every show. And um, if we couldn't do it at all, I would be crushed. And so would she, and I'd be crushed for her. So I'm just really thankful we could get another date. Yeah. And we are too. Uh, it, we have made no secret. It's one of our favorite shows to do of the year. And uh, Thank I'm you glad guys. to see that we, that it's still on our schedule. So, so um Anything that, um, you know, uh, you can tell us about, um, you know, going forward as far as the, the, the convention or even uh, the store? Well, the, the convention, I can tell you that um, uh, one of the things that was pretty cool for us was before we were able to even announce anything, um, Sean Schimmel had to cancel due to all the, the stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were so kind that before we'd even announced our, our July date, um, his agent had actually already sent us a contract for 2021 with the new dates. Wow. I mean, they were trying. Awesome. And, and then when we said we, we have this July date, they amended the contract to the July date. Like they were so um, easy to work with. Um, so he's coming back. Um, well, I'd say coming because he hasn't been here yet. Austin <laughs> St. John and uh, David uh, Fielding. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry, guys. If, I, if I'm not, I didn't, I didn't put notes like I normally do this time because of all the craziness. I only got home about 20 minutes ago. Um, and um, who else was coming back? I think we're going to get, uh, I think Luger's coming back. Teddy's coming back. Um, the gentleman from Red Dead Redemption is coming back. Uh, so a lot of these folks are, are coming back. I think we will get the hard, hit the hardest with some of the comic creators that are usually really big at, at San Diego Comic-Con. So the guys that like have a tradition of setting up there and that it, it's impossible to get from here to there in time, get your stuff there because it's a five day ship. So if you have a, a big setup, it's impossible to get your stuff to San Diego by Tuesday without the cost being, you know, prohibitive. Well, of course, no, that totally makes sense. So that'll be the, the thing there. It'll be our first San Diego we've missed in three or four years. Um, we've gone out there to try to improve the con and, and uh, network for the store, but man, there's just no way we can do the con and then take off for San Diego. I don't know that I have the ability to do much else other than stare blankly at a wall <laughs> for a couple of days. 
(laughs) how much you guys put into the show and everything i wouldn't be surprised that you're just like laying there flat on the bed like don't make me move for at least a week (laughs) I'll i'll tell you guys one of the funny stories and uh so one of the things that i can't bring myself to do is ask anybody to drive people to the airport super early on monday morning so you've got folks who are taking vacation time to to take care of people and volunteer at the con and drive guests. And so I'll do all this stuff, entertain people on Sunday night. And I just go, look, I can do it because I'm going to take a day or two off here you know, early in the week to sleep. And uh, so one morning, it was uh, two years ago, I think, at 4.30 in the morning, I was in the lobby of the hotel on Monday morning. And I'm sitting in a chair and I'm waiting on Billy Tucci to come down to take him to the airport because he had a super early flight and the elevator door opens and the only people in the airport in the lobby are the security guard and there might have been someone at the desk and me and the elevator opens and Tucci rounds the corner and and he yells out what the f are you doing here that was <laughs> he's hysterical oh, that's <laughs> I, was like, awesome. I, I said I'm assuming you want to ride to the airport but why are you taking me so look man I'll go back to bed right now I'll go back upstairs <laughs> you can catch an uber if that's what you want he goes no 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 just you know he was he was laughing and I'm like man I I can't ask somebody to take a vacation day to go drive at 4 30 or 5 o'clock in the morning so I just usually take a quick nap and then go drive those and then then go to bed <laughs> sleep till noon Oh, wow. Wow. It's the preparation, you know, cause you pretty much, it's a year long thing to prep for a con to build a con like this. Yeah. We, we say it's about 14 months. So there is a period where we're kind of double planning for just a short time there. Um, because you're, you're getting dates for the program book and a lot of times, uh, guests that you couldn't book or had to cancel, you're rebooking them for the next year. Um, Because, you know, there's always last minute things that pop up for people, family emergencies or um, media celebrities. We've had them get jobs. You know what I mean? They've they've gotten TV parts and things like that. And so there's there's a period there for a couple of months where you're kind of working on both shows. But, um, man, it's 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 crazy. And we appreciate you guys being there. And to do it with two people is pretty insane. You know, as far as the planning and then, you know, when it gets close to the show that week of it's far more than two people. Oh but yeah, absolutely. you have a great group of people working with it. They're all so welcome, welcoming to not just us who you know set up a table and everything, and you know promote and everything, but to you know the people. You guys are great, even to the people coming in through the front doors. It's just amazing. You know, I I feel that way at a lot of uh, shows in the South. I mean, the Southern hospitality is a real thing, and um, it, we kind of consider everybody family. I mean, when we when we did this show originally, everybody said we were crazy and everybody that supported it is kind of making it happen. And I think they kind of realize that, right? I mean, it's, if they don't come, then we can't, you know, the income isn't there to fly in guests from all over the world and bring all these people in. And um, it's a pretty emotional thing, you know, that morning when you open those doors, it's, it's pretty crazy to see that huge line. And to see the look on the people's faces as they're walking through, just the smiles and the glee and, you know, it, and it just gets bigger and grander each time. And I, I'm not going to say that I wasn't worried because I was worried, you know, but you guys kept on holding out hope. And, you know, so far we seem like, and then when you guys had to pull the plug, but you already had the date, it was like, whew, 
you know. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, what happened. It's kind of weird. A little look behind the curtain of how some of this stuff works. There were people saying that, you know, you're going to cancel. And, you know, the city on Friday morning, I think it was Monday of last week that we made the announcement, right? Yeah. yeah it's been a week. So on Friday, the convention center told us we were go. Okay. Mm -hmm. On Saturday morning, Fox said the city was pulling a bunch of permits. Now I can't talk to anybody. There's no one to call right. to confirm this. Like I can't, right. you know, and so what we didn't want to do was announce something and then have it be wrong. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. And then if they're like, Oh no, you can do it. And you're like, I just oh. wish more people thought like you. Yeah. And so, so we, so we waited till we waited till Monday morning. Um, I called them at the, at the minute they opened, I got John on the phone. We got the announcement. When you guys saw that announcement, I hadn't, I had been off the phone with him probably for less than 45 minutes. So we, that date, when, when we did the announcement, because we didn't want to say anything until we either knew if we were canceled or rescheduled, because I feel like it, it gets lost in the noise. If you don't, you know, one message we're rescheduling, not we're, we're postponing, but we don't know when. And then they'd never see the other message. You know what I mean? And, um, and it was, that's how quick we turned it. It was, it was under an hour from when we had it to when we put the announcement up. Damn. Wow. That's just, it's amazing how quickly things change and how, you know, you have to. Gosh, sometimes. I mean, I mean, I mean the, the reaction to everything that's going on is pretty unprecedented. And, um, and, you know, hopefully this keeps a lot of people safe. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? Of yeah. course. It's what it's Absolutely. all about. Absolutely. So, well, I wish you good luck with it, my friend. So real quick, how can people find you? Super easy. Um, folks can check us at uh, sccomiccon.com or borderlands.us. Um, they can look up either of them on Facebook or Instagram. And, um, you know, anybody wanting shipping, we have, uh, we just posted everything up on Facebook and we're doing, you know, free shipping at a certain level. I think it's $50 and local folks curbside pickup and delivery and all those kind of things too. But, uh, you know, more importantly, I just hope everybody stays safe and, and enjoy some geeky stuff and enjoy the break, paint some models. Hey. That's not a bad idea. We do a lot of gaming in our store. Mm -hmm. so, uh, that is totally true. That yeah, is awesome. Have some fun. Play some cards. So we will see you then in July. Guys, I can't wait. I really look forward to seeing you. It's going to be too long. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, here's for better, bigger and better things for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, we'll be out of this soon enough. You betcha. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. And we're going to be talking all about the 80s. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. You know, it's strange. I never would have imagined I'd come to a time where I'm actually facing multiple weeks, possibly even months, where there are not new movies coming out in theaters for me to talk about, simply because these movie release dates are being postponed. Theaters are being closed in the wake of the coronavirus update. We're not sure how long it's going to last, but something I think that is bringing us together during this time, and I'm so thankful for the technology, is streaming services. It's really great for us to have a way to kind of release our stress when there's so much anxiety and uncertainty going on now. So instead of talking about 
new movies coming out in theaters in my weekly segment, I'm going to try to highlight new things coming out on DVD or streaming that you can enjoy. A new movie that is coming out on DVD this week that I highly, highly recommend is the World War I movie 1917. I did have a chance to see it in theaters, and it is a little bit heavy, more of a serious serious topic, but it's just an excellent film. Great acting, great music, great cinematography. Again, just a powerful story, and it's a time in history that we don't talk enough about. So this is definitely worth a watch. It would also be good to pair with... The Peter Jackson documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, which restores real-life World War I footage. So maybe this would be a good double feature. Watch 1917, the film first, and then watch the documentary to learn more about the real-life history. Coming up soon on Disney Plus is the movie Onward on April 3rd. Now, the interesting thing about this is that Onward just recently came out in theaters, but then kind of fell in that awkward time where theaters were starting to close due to the outbreak and people going into quarantine. So I think that Disney is doing the smart thing and a really nice thing by releasing it earlier than expected on Disney Plus, just so families can have something fun to watch together. I did see this one in theaters before they closed down, and I will say that I enjoyed it. It's not one that I really, really loved, and I may not have even gone to see it if I didn't have the AMC A-list movie pass, but it was still fun and would definitely be worth it on streaming if you're looking for something kind of light and humorous to watch. Netflix has a bunch of great new stuff coming in April of 2020 to look forward to. The TV series Community is going to be available. It's about a quirky community college. I thought this one was really hilarious. I haven't seen all the episodes, just kind of a scattering here and there, but really funny. And it's going to be on Netflix. I'm excited to watch more. The Lethal Weapon movies coming to Netflix. Um, I actually haven't seen any of these, so... Maybe this will be a good time to get caught up, and as pretty much as everybody is saying, it's not like I have a lot of other things to do, so I could check that out. The Matrix movies um, are coming to Netflix as well, so there really is a lot of great content out there to watch and consume and talk about with friends and family, so it's a fun way for us to still stay engaged and connected. On my blog this week, over on the ESO Podcast website, I am continuing to go through my Better Late Than Never Goes West blog series where I'm looking at classic westerns and I'm kind of excited to see what I can find on streaming since sadly my local library is closed at the moment. But um, lots of great stuff to check out on streaming services so I'm looking forward to continuing with that. Do you know you could take the Dragon Con report with you wherever you go? Heck, we're even now up on Alexa. Hey Alexa, play the Dragon Con podcast up on iHeartRadio. Playing the Dragon Con Report from iHeartRadio. Playing the latest episode, the 2020 Dragon Con Report Episode 2. Howdy everyone and welcome to the second episode of the 2020 Dragon Con Report. Now how cool is that? Remember, the Dragon Con Report can be found wherever you find podcasts. See you at the show in September. Hey everyone, welcome back. Now we are going back to the year of 1980 and we are going to be looking at some of the amazing films that came out that year. Yes, we are. And of course, we have our movie guy here to talk all about it. Alex, welcome back. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm not sure why we're all in different cubes, but okay. They're airtight. (laughs) Just remember that. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. If I sneeze, it's going to get everywhere. Yeah, uh, we're, we've you know we've got the uh, our hands quickly on the eject button so that uh, we can we can blow you out to space if necessary. Much appreciated. Uh, just just keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we also have with us, of course, we can't do a, a show about what about the '80s without asking Kevin Eldridge here. Hey everybody! Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I've I never really left the '80s. I suppose <laughs> I do have that reputation of being just a total '80s nerd. So I'm happy to be here to talk uh, 1980, which I personally consider the very first year of the 1980s. Yes, there is some debate about that. So um, yeah, we're not going to get into that debate. But um, yeah, this is just 1980. Whether or not we're actually in the 80s or not, uh, <laughs> we leave well, that to the listeners to to decide. The answer uh, is yes, we are. <laughs> We're, as you said we've never left right he um, is the expert so you know we have to believe what he says um and i'm with you i i believe that 1980 counts as the 80s as well. <laughs> well of course it does um uh i'm glad you guys are here um you know we had a few other guests that we thought might you know could be on here in, including uh, our other movie person ashley but um i thought it was really would be really much better to have it or at least from this side of it to talk about um, the movies since they, we were all there when they came out. I know we were all around, um, you know, for, to have Ashley on uh, would be great to get an idea of like what it's like to view eighties movies, not when you're around in the eighties and that, but that's a whole different podcast. So. I, are, are you telling me that this episode is actually sponsored by AARP? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only they would chill out the money. I know, because I'd like to point out that if that's the case, we're all up way too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, it's been hours since I had my dinner, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, there are a ton, a ton of movies that uh, I think are notable here. Obviously, I'm going to start with the biggest one in the room, the biggest one that we can't uh, dismiss, the one that was probably uh, the most referenced, most popular movie that came out not only in 1980, but still tans, uh, uh, stands the test of time today. There's memes, Holy Moses? There's memes all about it. Uh, and, but it was uh, Herbie Goes Bananas. Come on. I know, right? No, 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 guys, 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 guys. Come on. I'm talking about Ordinary People. Oh, Woo! yeah. All ordinary right. People, um, which... Uh, you know, I say that in jest. It was the best film uh, by the Academy, um, as, as as well as the Golden Globes that year. And I just goes to show you, I think at that time was the first time I realized something was up with the Oscars. <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, I knew even then. I mean, how many people are really talking about Ordinary People? Have, have all you guys seen Ordinary People? Yeah, I have actually seen Ordinary I've People. Seen I've, seen, I've seen Ordinary People. Oh. I guess it's just me then. I have not seen Ordinary People. I've heard of it at least. You have to and remember the- during this era, I was an HBO kid. You know, my parents let us come home from school and just turn on the TV. That was my babysitter. Yeah. What I'm uh, very surprised by is the number of movies overall, not only that I've seen, but that I've that and are classic, considered classic these days, but are also ones that I saw in the theater. I was going to the theater, I think, a lot more than. Uh, I can remember, uh, at least uh, initially, because it, which is weird because I couldn't drive myself to the theater at this point. Um, I was uh, 11, going on 12. So, um, so apparently my parents like to get rid of me for a few hours, uh, a lot. Uh, there are a lot of, a lot of big movies. Um, I'm just going to jump in. I guess we will talk uh, briefly about, you know, the, the real big movie, that came out that uh, stands the test of time that uh, 
was the highest grossing movie of 1980 <laughs> and still I think is on is on the list for of top movies grosses of all time and that of course is The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I don't, you'll find there's going to be a lot of movies that we're going to talk about today that are influential, but this one, this one is, it lives up to its name, right? It, it's, it's the benchmark, obviously. Um, at a time when, you know, we, everybody, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about Jaws and Star Wars, New Hope, um, being the real first summer blockbusters because they made so much money and they brought people to the theaters. Um, I, I think, in my opinion, Empire is really the first true uh, summer blockbuster because people anticipated it, because people were excited to see it and ready to do things like camp out for the tickets uh, so they can be the first ones there. Um, and that's no disrespect, obviously, to, to the predecessors. Um, but I, I think, in my opinion... Star Wars was huge and is huge. Empire was a phenomenon. Yeah, and Empire is what really sealed the Star Wars franchise to this mm-hmm. day, right? I mean, if if Empire fails on any level, then that franchise, if, we're not still talking about it now. If Empire had been break into Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> we would have seen the whole thing end right there. People are still talking about Electric Boogaloo. Don't yes, but they, not don't... in a good way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you this got a point there. That, you you've got two ways that a sequel can go. They can either go Wrath of Khan or they can go Electric Boogaloo. And Empire obviously went Wrath of Khan, but it was I mean Secret of the Ooze clearly went uh in the direction of Electric Boogaloo, which is why nobody talks about the Ninja Turtle movies anymore. Um but meanwhile, back in 1980, uh Empire Strikes Back was uh obviously a brilliant film and it's still a brilliant film. Uh, uh Lawrence Kasdan um, really helps solidify uh, the groundwork of the entire Star Wars saga um, with easily the biggest shock ending uh, we had seen. Maybe ever. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. About that in Chinatown, maybe, but yeah. Well, but I mean, this one we knew was going to, I mean, we, we guessed it was going to continue. I mean, this was like, I think the biggest cliffhanger of a movie that had ever ever been yeah. released. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh and and I take it all of us saw it in the theater. Oh yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and th- this was really the what solidified the blockbuster era in that like you said Mike we had jaws and star wars before this but this is where it really started to lock in and would continue through the eighties is there's, there are going to be big monster movies every year that just dominate. And it really wasn't the case until empire. And then beyond this, the, the, the very next year you get Raiders the year after that you get ET and and then return of the Jedi and ghostbusters and you back to the future. You can run through the rest of the decade after that. You look at this year, 1980 empire strikes back. Look at the rest of the top 10. There are no other big, you know, science fiction or, big blockbuster kind of movies anywhere close to those it's all a bunch of comedies and a couple of dramas really that you know that 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 blockbuster era was just getting started yeah absolutely so we have empire to blame for the current situation is that what you're saying that's what i'm saying yes. it's all empire's <laughs> fault <laughs> oh, yoda's, it's yoda's fault i'm gonna blame yoda specifically <laughs> and this is not baby yoda no no this is this is old man, <laughs> old, 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 yoda. Man, old man yoda right 
<laughs> my favorite Marvel crossover, old man. <laughs> exactly. You know, if Marvel doesn't pick up on that, I don't know yeah. who's working there. Um, uh, all right. So um, Empire, we all know, great movie, changed everything. Big movie, 1980. But there's a lot of other movies here that uh, I think made an impact on the industry as well as made an impact on my life. Um, but I want to sort of go, shoot it out there. Kevin, we'll start with you. What's, a, what's another movie here that uh, either uh, is of note or maybe is under the radar? Uh, maybe we should go ahead and knock the other big one out of the way, Mike, and I, which I know is a big one for you and, and a hugely personal big one for me. And uh, what about Flash Gordon? Oh, ah, yes, Flash Gordon. Yes, uh, definitely saw that one in the theater. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And this is one of the first ones that I remember. I was at that age where, where I was just starting to, you know, like, like you said, like go to the movies without a parent or legal guardian. You know, where they would just drop me off here, go, go, you and your friend or you and your sister, go see a movie. Because I remember going to Flash Gordon, you know, without an adult with me, which was very exciting. Yeah, um, I was really excited for Flash Gordon, and Flash Gordon, I think, had the benefit of of empire really mm-hmm. because you, you get so excited for um that sort of serialized action fun science fiction movie and you're just looking for another one you know and uh and flash gordon came out right right next to it well not right next to it i mean obviously uh we have we have like few in the middle like uh battle beyond the stars which uh <laughs> i actually saw i actually saw on my birthday uh, I actually saw oh, it in the theater wow. on my birthday. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, um, and then another big sequel, uh, which came out later that year too, with Superman 2. So we don't want to uh, sort of uh, miss that one as being a big, a big influence. It wasn't really a summer movie though. Uh, nowadays, no. that would have been a summer movie, but at that time there were no, I don't know if there were, Alex, was there really a summer movie season then? No. Um, it, it, so, before uh before 74 and 75 or 76 and 77 i should say um going to the movies in the summer was just it wasn't something that was done um because everybody was going to the beach everybody was going to the pool nobody was sitting inside so you <laughs> until jaws came out and then, <laughs> until jaws came out and, and suddenly hell no going. none of us want to go near the water um <laughs> jaws, no. jaws provided the problem and the solution don't go to so the beach, provided, but do go so, to the movies and and who di- and who directed that that was steven spielberg good friend of george lucas yeah they were working together the whole time they of course man. they were this will never make it to air anyway um so <clears throat> Uh, no, at the time, it, it used to be that the biggest movies, uh, the big the big blockbuster movies, were reserved for December because it was a time when everybody wanted to be inside and nobody wanted to be outside doing things. It was too blessed cold. So you would go to the movies in December. That's why it used to be that, that all the, the big movies came out in December for oscar consideration as well but that was because that was the time that everybody was going to the movie theaters anyway yeah yeah makes sense makes perfect sense and you got that mixed with oscar season too Mm -hmm. uh which is very much a thing i think uh then too because you'll notice that or i've noticed that most of the oscar picks uh seem to be released towards the um uh, later part yeah. of this year so and that seems you always, to be the, 
you always want to release close to Christmas um, because the deadline is Christmas Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you always see, you know, limited engagements and stuff mm-hmm. for, you know, and the, but then and for mom and pop movie theaters in middle America don't get the movies until January or February. Exactly. Uh, Mike, what about you? What about, uh, is there a movie on here that you want to um, sort of shout out about either being a big deal or maybe something that uh, doesn't give enough credit? Well, for me, is has to be Airplane. Nice. Airplane was a life changer for me because it was true comedy that was right up my alley being 13 years old. And it was the slapstick. It was the puns. It was childish humor. It was everything I ever wanted to see in a movie. And it was, it was great. My parents took us when we were in Florida visiting my grandparents. And I, I remember it to this day. And it was just, it was, I laughed so hard as a kid. And to this day, if I'm ever in a crap mood, airplane lifts me up. No pun intended. I do remember seeing that one on the big screen. I think it was the first time I saw boobs uh, on the big screen. I was going to I didn't want to say it. (laughs) I was just like when they had the pair of boobs go across the screen and like two seconds. I was like, oh my God, what was that? And that was uh, that was before PG thirteen. This was a PG <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, as, it was a parental and, guidance movie. You yeah. could get away with that. Whoa! Sort of we're like, wow, like when, when, when you said it had everything you wanted in a movie, we knew we knew what you meant. <laughs> oh, yeah. thank you. Uh, you guys get me. I love it. Are you kidding? It had two things that he wanted. <laughs> <in a movie. laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I so, wouldn't discover that for many years, Dan. <laughs> so which which was, is ironic because later on, when uh, in May, when the nude bomb is released, no nudity. <laughs> I was so no, disappointed. No, no, not a bit. So disappointed. I was eight years old in 1980. I was 18. I was eight years old in 1980. And that summer, uh, my, my sister, five years older than me, um, got with a group of people all the time to go to the movies. And my mom would drive them all and I would get taken along. That's how I saw Airplane. Because they went as a big group and... The thing was, is they went to see, and I don't remember what movie it was they went to see. They went to see something, and for whatever reason, they couldn't get in. So the question then became, well, what's about to start playing? And they're like, well, airplanes playing. We can watch that. And none of us knew what it was. We knew it was a comedy. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And we went in blind. And it's easily one of the funniest movies ever made. Absolutely. Oh, and, you know, and it was great because at 13, some of the humor went right over our heads. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. And now some watching it. Specifically directed at us. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Surely you must be joking. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but again, influential. I mean, uh, satirical movies. I mean, I think it existed before, but not to the extent that this one sort of uh started uh and then it became that became a genre all its own uh you know it changed the career of leslie nelson uh changed the career of uh peter gray lloyd bridges lloyd bridges yeah uh all those three in particular um and uh i yeah it was it was huge uh and and i think also a turning point too because that was the last gasp of the at least for a while of the disaster movies, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they say when something gets parodied, that's when, you mm-hmm. know, it's on the other uh, tail end. And I, you know, 
uh, disaster movies were a big thing. Irwin Allen and all that was a big thing before then in the 70s. And this kind of just said, nope, we're going to the 80s. Not anymore. <laughs> I always found it kind of funny because if you remember all the airport movies had George Kennedy in it. Yep. And then George Kennedy was in the Naked Gun movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. By the same people who did the airplane one. Yep. Yeah, they were able to actually get, it's almost like, you know, what Weird Al was able to do later is just get the same people that are in these. Don't just use other actors that look like them or whatever. If you can get the same actors that are in these like things that you're parroting, it'll work so much better. The um, the, the great story, there, there's so many wonderful stories be, uh, behind for the movie Airplane. Um, but obviously the, the fact that a lot of the script is taken word for word from a 1970s disaster movie. Mm. Um, which is is great. And when they got Leslie Nielsen, Nielsen read the script and he's like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't get what's going on. And they said, look, just do it straight. Like you would in any other film. And that was the direction that they gave everybody play it straight. This is a serious movie. And that's when, when they started playing it straight, that's when everybody realized just how hysterical this movie was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and they just went with it. It's the the Batman sixty six method, right? Just uh, just play it straight, and it'll it'll be funny. It'll work. Yeah. Um. Uh. A couple of movies that uh, I wanted to note real quick because I, I think another um, thing that was another thing that was actually really influential that started in nineteen eighty really was uh, horror as we know it. Uh, for me, two movies, and I'm not a huge horror film a fan, but at at the time, uh, two movies which I did not see in the theater uh, were Friday the 13th and The Shining, which came out relatively close to one another in May, mm-hmm. April, May. Um, that changed. I mean, the slasher movie sort of, I think Halloween is, is regarded as starting it, which I, I credit that. But if it's not for Friday the 13th, it doesn't continue. Well, the cool thing about Friday the 13th is it was the legend of Jason, but he doesn't appear really till the end of the movie. Yeah, spoilers. Oh, come on. I'm not going <laughs> to. No. And, and basically then he takes over the franchise from that point on. Yeah, with, uh, with, with some exceptions. But yes, um, uh, yeah, Friday the 13th. But it is a slasher movie, no matter who's doing the slashing. Um, and, uh, and we just had a Friday the 13th the other day and I was reminded of it because I just caught some of it on uh, one of the channels and I I hadn't seen it in a long time. And, uh, I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is really, this is a really early slasher movie. (laughs) Like, like the, they don't know that they're playing the tropes yet. You know, um, it's amazing. Uh, they were creating the tropes. (laughs) Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Halloween really, as you said, was the, the first big slasher movie, I think, that really helped invent that that genre. But yeah, here in 1980, Friday the 13th was the, the next one to really be, to become a successful franchise like that. But then if you look at the list of movies of 1980, you see how many of these slasher type movies were already being cranked out. Like there was an avalanche of low budget slasher horror in the wake of Halloween and probably even more so in the wake of Friday the 13th as the movie, the film industry discovered, oh, here's something we can make fast and cheap and it'll play in drive-ins. And then as the home video market and as cable was on the rise through the eighties, 
yeah. perfect market for that kind of stuff. So there was a ton of movies that are largely forgotten except by the, the real horror nuts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. It, uh, I think, yeah, I think that did show, especially Friday the 13th showed, yeah, we could do really do this. Cause I think Friday the 13th budget is like half of what Halloween's was. And it's just, um, and Halloween but, was pretty cheap to begin with. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, it showed that, yeah, you could just, you know, crank these out and they certainly did. <laughs> yeah. What, one that was one that caught my eye on the uh, 1980 list was there's a movie called he knows you're alone, which is just mm. one of those generic low budget horror movies, but I think it's best remembered because this was the, the film debut of Tom Hanks. Really? Oh, nice. Wow. That is awesome. That is yeah. amazing. Yes. Uh, uh what's the other one that's uh that i noticed here too that's kind of like that oh yeah don't answer the phone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's a bunch yeah. oh yeah there's prom night there's death ship there's maniac <laughs> hotel <laughs> hell mother's day yeah. you know a lot of those films um like, like you know he knows you're alone that's sort of like though th- there there was a, a big difference between suspense and horror um, and both had that same vibe to it, but yeah, the Friday the 13th became the cheap slasher, uh, uh, cookie cutter model, uh, to go with. And it all got started, uh, right there. And I think it's one of the, again, it, it's a, it's an early film for Kevin Bacon too, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that and animal house. Yeah. Everybody there could be like, Hey, uh, you know, if th- nothing else, you know, they have the, they can say I was in the first Friday the 13th movie and I'm only one degree away from <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Yep. Uh, uh, and then, of course, the other one that, I, like I said, as far as horror goes, you can't, I mean, you can't get away from The Shining. Shining was maybe one of the most uh, influential movies on this list as well of all time, just because of the impact it's had, uh, which is interesting considering that the uh, author of the original book didn't like the, uh, didn't like the adaptation at all. Uh, but that, uh, that made me like it, I think, even more. Um, uh, he felt I, there wasn't enough Scatman brothers. <laughs> I did, there never I did is. Not, come on, there never is. True. I did not. Uh, I did not see. Like I said, I did not see either one of these on uh, in the theater. I saw them uh, probably. You know what is it? A year maybe afterwards. Is that how long the, the duration was before they made it to cable or or yes. uh, the pay per view yeah. model or whatever? About, um, about twelve to six. Twelve. Twelve to eighteen months. Yeah. So, and then of course, then you just rewatch and rewatch and watch it. But I think The Shining, um, you know, uh, outside of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, The Shining was the was like one of the first movies that gave me nightmares. Wow. <laughs> Wonka still gives me nightmares, so I feel you. Yeah, the Umbalupus man terrified me. Mm-hmm. Terrified that me. damn boat. Uh, yeah. I don't know uh, anything more to say about The Shining because it pretty much says it. It's it says everything itself, but. Yep. I think I think it stands alone when Ready Player One insists on using it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, and never it just shows that you never go out into a maze into the snow. You know, well, there's, that's a, you know. there's a um, uh, Mountain Dew commercial right now. Uh, yeah, with yeah, with, uh, with Brian Cranston. Yeah, references. Yes. It, yeah, it's also referenced. It, it's very if you want to get really freaky about this, um, the hotel carpeting in The Shining is in Sid's house in Toy Story. Oh, wow. Nice. Nice uh, nice call there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Talk uh, about and, a pull. That's awesome. And if, and if you do like that pattern, uh, <laughs> we have a good friend of ours, Andy Taylor, that uh, sells tea, uh, sells all sorts of merchandise with that um, with that uh, pattern on it as well. So very cool ties oh, and socks and all sorts of cool stuff. Mm. Um, all right, Alex, uh, you're up. What uh, what movie are we talking about next? Let's talk about a movie that. Uh, despite its greatness, did cause an unfortunate trend in movies. Uh Uh-oh. I'd like to talk about the first Saturday Night Live sketch to get a movie. The Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The Blues Brothers today, properly, could not get made. Because they couldn't afford the soundtrack at a time when blues music was not getting played on the radio at a time when these people could not be hired because they just weren't employable along comes Ackroyd and Belushi uh, wanting to make this film about these musicians that they truly loved. And they put together easily I mean, as as funny as Airplane is, and Airplane is is gloriously funny, Blues Brothers, I think, stands up better to the test of time. And it has to do with not only the comedy in it, but the cast in it and the music. It's a triple triple threat. Yeah. Yeah. And it was such I mean, a weird, quirky thing to happen and like on paper how do you even explain this movie to somebody what what is this and yet mm-hmm, exactly. yeah it, it was one of the top 10 movies of the year yeah all you have to say it, is they're on a mission from god come on, on a mission from god. but but here's the thing and, and again it's one of those things where where one thing happens and it spirals downhill at the time that the movie was being made movies weren't shot in chicago because of the mob there was actually an ordinance put out by the government uh, in Illinois that said you cannot film in the state. And they went and said, Chicago is an important part of this film. We need to be able to film here. And they lifted the ordinance and because, and they never restored it. So because of that, you're able to get things like the dark Knight and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> and it's because the Blues Brothers had to shoot in downtown Chicago. I can remember uh, my my dad, uh, my family, most of my family is from central Illinois, but my dad spent some time in Chicago uh, in his youth as well. And I can remember, I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch the, the Blues Brothers in the theater, but I remember seeing it on on cable and watching it and I watched it a billion times. Um, yeah. And one of the times I watched it, I'm not sure what number it was, but uh, I was watching it. And my dad was there too. And uh, he saw the sequence with the, the Chicago Nazis and he's like, and I was just laughing and he's like, those are real. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a little problem. <laughs> what caught my attention with it was the shopping mall scene. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I, obviously didn't see it at the theater i saw it on hbo growing up and i was just flipping channels and they just broke through into the mall and it was the police chase through it it was just awesome 
Yeah. It's, again, it's, it's so ridiculous that you can't take your eyes off of it. And that was one of those movies. Uh, Blues Brothers was the first film that for me, I was able to go, oh, hey, there's an inside joke. Because at the beginning of the film, um, one of the police officers uh, is played by Frank Oz. He's the one who gives um, right. him back the his belongings and everything. Yes. And later on, as they drive into the Toys R Us, a guy holds up a Grover, who he does the voice of, and says, do you have a Miss Piggy, who he also does the voice of? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, cool. They put that in, and he was in the movie. And I'm eight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but he's already skilled on his uh but, but i'm already like hey i i get that that's funny so no i i it's crazy for me to think that the blues brothers and um empire strikes back came out the same year because it doesn't feel like it should be like the blues brothers feels like an older movie to me this it, it's amazing because it you know we've talked about i think Last year, we talked about how the end of a decade seems like it's a turning point, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it does seem like there's a lot of movies here that I'm like, oh, they don't make those kind of movies anymore or didn't yeah. after this. And then there's, the, like we're talking about, there's a lot of movies that are starting, like a lot of genres, a lot of things that are starting and I right here. And it's an interesting time. And I think, uh, Kevin, I want to give you a shout out too on the Flopcast because you did a two-part episode on on TV pilots that came out or TV series that started in 1980. And listening to that, I was realizing you, you found very much the same thing. There's a lot of things that were kind of ending a lot of genres that were kind of ending and some starting up as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just a few weeks ago, we did a couple of shows, just looking at yeah shows, TV shows that started in 1980, which was a very strange year for TV because there was a, an actor's strike that year. And so uh, the TV season was just kind of out the window and it was just all these crazy uh, variety series you know variety tv was dying at that time obviously and uh, just a lot of really weird obscure stuff that's mostly forgotten uh, so yeah it was an interesting time in uh, tv and movies now uh is there uh any um other movie that uh you think is is, is sort of uh that you want to mention that sort of fits that bill or something else oh well here uh, I, I related to uh, blues brothers and one of my very favorite comedies of all time uh following Animal House, uh, the the people behind Animal House kind of split into two camps, and uh, some of them went on to make Blues Brothers, and the others went to make Caddyshack. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's Harold Ramis. Yeah. Yeah. This is the this is the yeah the sort of spreading out or uh, effect of of Saturday Night Live, the popularity of seventy Saturday Night Live in the in the seventies, right? Yeah, and this was Caddyshack. It's an amazing story of how they made it. In fact, a a book came out a year or so ago called Caddyshack, uh, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story. And it's just a book all about how this movie got made. And it's wonderful. And it it actually goes through the whole, like the buildup of uh, uh, National Lampoon and and Saturday Night Live and uh, and Second City and just all these forces were coming together that eventually they all started making these amazing movies. But yeah, Caddyshack, yeah, Harold Ramis directed. He didn't know how to direct a movie. <laughs> he, he didn't know what he was doing, but they just went off to Florida all by themselves. They wanted to get as far away from Hollywood and the, and the, the, the studio as possible so they could just do whatever they want and uh, just made this crazy, sprawling, insane movie. Um, the, the first cut of the movie was like four hours long. There, there are giant storylines that had to just be cut out. I wish that still existed. <laughs> yeah. And I think most of the footage is just gone, but that's why 
they're kind of broken pieces of the old plot lines still sprinkled throughout the movie. So it's a very strange, uneven movie when you watch it because of how it was made and how it was hacked down to, to be the length that it is. And nevertheless, though, the performances from Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, Ted Knight, Bill Murray, the four of them were just so amazing in it that it rises above all the insanity of how it was created. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. I still watch it every year. It's funny you picked those four because really at that time, it was a changing of the comedic guard um, because Murray and Chase pretty much at that time were, were mostly known, especially Murray, uh, for television only. Mm-hmm. Um, and having Ted Knight, who was a huge com- comedic genius for television in the 70s um, and had well done, you know, great film work. And Rodney Dangerfield, who is just, he's Rodney Dangerfield. I don't need to explain that. Yeah, Rodney, but although, Rodney was so coked up during that movie. It's still oh, funny. oh, everybody, who was it? everybody but Ted Knight <laughs> <laughs> was coked and up. And I mind. would give a thousand dollars to see a coked up Ted Knight. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Ted Knight was like, he would show up on time sober every morning and be like where is everybody what's going on <laughs> and Roddy Dangerfield also even though he'd been around a long time obviously at that point but he didn't know how to make a movie either he's like they had to kind yeah. of you know shove him into each scene and say Rodney okay do your line now it's time to start making the movie you know, so just it was such a crazy production but uh, I love what came out of it oh god yes it it is beautiful and it's interesting because I had always heard that Chevy Chase and Bill Murray didn't really like each other. You yeah, know, def- there, there was definitely some bad blood between them heading into this production. Yeah, and it, they yeah. were cool with each other, I believe, on the set. Um, and yet they don't they, appear a lot on screen at the same time. No, that's they no. added that that scene where Chevy plays through when he's playing golf at night and plays through the the uh, where where Bill Murray is, is staying. They added that scene kind of last minute and just improved it because they realized we should have a scene with these two guys together. And that whole concept is just insane. <laughs> or else people are going to think they really hate each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Um, Mike, what about you? What's another movie? Oh, man, so many to get through. Oh, no. My next one also is another comedy. It actually uses the same actors from a great movie from early, earlier in the 70s called uh, Silver Streak. Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about is Stir Crazy. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. We're bad. We're bad. <laughs> and Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor were just awesome together. It's like those two had such an affinity for each other. It was just not even funny. And they worked so well with each other. The chemistry was just great. They're an amazing comedic team. Uh, yeah. They made, what, five, six, six movies together? Not enough. Let's put it that way. <laughs> No, definitely not enough. And no. it was, it was, it was just. This wasn't awesome. their first, right? No, so, so no. Silver Streak was their first. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, but they also, you know, they worked together on Blazing Saddles because Richard wrote for it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And yeah, so, and again, it's one of those movies that, like a lot of these comedies, really couldn't be made today. No, 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 <laughs> no. No, and it was, it's just, it was such a great, great, great movie. It was probably a movie I shouldn't have watched at 13 yet, but it was on HBO. So, hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I certainly didn't see that in the, in the theater. Um, 
and uh yeah that came out in december and uh yeah i did not did not see that in the theater but when um but i was definitely on board once i you know once it was available to to see it on cable which is weird because i couldn't see a lot of these movies in the theater but i was watching r-rated movies uh at, at home uh, oh, my, God, par- yeah. my parents oh, didn't yeah. seem to have a problem with that um as a matter of fact i i ate up every like slasher movie that came out i was watching slasher movie after slasher movie and my mom would stay up and watch them with me and uh whenever there would be a gruesome death she would just be like michael andrew like it was my fault like i like <laughs> <laughs> so um but i think um the other thing that's really interesting to me about this time period is and then for all of us i mean there's a few years difference between all of us but all of us are in that right age where I think it, these movies, or whatever comes out now, or whatever comes out at this period is going to make an impression on us. Because oh, sure. you know, that, that period between when you're like, what is it, 8 to 12, 8 to 14, whatever it is, like that period seems to be like the one that really just affects your, it seems like it affects your taste for life, uh, barring like other, you know, outstanding circumstances. Because uh, I certainly look at this time and I'm just like, damn. They, these are amazing movies and they don't make them like this anymore, which makes me sound really old, but I think that's going to be true for anybody who's that age, you know, around whatever year that, that they, that they're impressionable. You know that? Um, I don't know. I just know that uh, I, I looked at this list and I, I wrote down the ones I actually saw in the theater and uh, I'm going to go, I'm, I stand by this list. Uh, even though I must might have made some questionable choices, but and you guys don't have to do this at all. At all but um, I saw these are the ones I saw in the theater because I they were they meant that much to me. Uh, Private Eyes, I, I still hold by that one. That one is one of my favorite. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really great. They're watching um, you. Don't forget that. What's that? Private Eyes. They're watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before that. I think. I know. I don't know. I don't know. Just barely, barely. Kevin, do we have the the what what came first, the privatized movie or the privatized song? Privatized, the song by Hollow Notes would have been a little after this, I believe. I'm gonna ah, say so they were inspired. Gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say eighty one. Hollow Notes were inspired by Knots and Conway. <laughs> I could be wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so privatized, nude bomb because I was a big uh, Get Smart fan. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back. Yeah. Um, Herbie Goes Bananas. Believe I saw that in the drive-in, by the way. Uh, nice. Airplane, Fiendish Plot of Dr. Fu Manchu. Huge Peter Sellers fan. I I saw the ads for this, and I wanted to see this big time. Uh, I saw it recently again. Maybe I should have just left it <laughs> as a childhood memory, but uh, it's still kind of fun. Uh, Battle Beyond the Stars. Uh, oh God, Book Two. Uh, Flash Gordon. Popeye and nine to five. Those are the movies that I remember seeing in the theater. There might've been a couple of others, but most of the other movies I think I saw. Uh, you're you're going to dog the fiendish plot of Fu Manchu and, and, and let you, and think that we're going to let you slide on Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> we got to talk about Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited about Popeye. Me too. I could not wait to see that thing. Cause, cause uh, he had already been uh robin williams is already mork right at this yes. point yeah. oh yeah oh god yeah so we knew him uh we all knew popeye because we'd seen cartoons uh and it seemed like from the ads it seemed like a perfect fit oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean shelly duvall was just perfect she, yeah. she was born to play sure. this was this was her year what a year she had in the shining <laughs> 
<laughs> I was gonna say, did she make any other movies other than 1980? <laughs> <laughs> she did what she had to do all in one year. Um, Popeye, yeah, I mean, it's Robert Altman, it's Jules Pfeiffer, it's a musical, it, it's just crazy and uh, kind of generally panned and dismissed as, oh, what a disaster. But it also has its fans and its defenders, and uh, I think it has some merits. You're wrong, but okay. <laughs> I think it's special and weird, and I like that they tried something different, you know. And I, I think that I think there's something there to it. You can still visit the town That's in that right. Malta. Is that real? True. It's in Malta. Yeah, where they built yeah. the set in Malta. That 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 it still exists. You can yeah, it's a tourist thing now. People can go see Altman Alt and his people left it behind. That goofy little village they built for Popeye. It's still there. Amazing. That is awesome. That is yeah, awesome. This is this is yeah. It's man. It's almost Gilliam esque uh, in its in its style. <laughs> um, just a bizarre movie, and I yeah. didn't know what to make of it coming out of the theater. That was one that I think that one and uh, that one was probably the biggest disappointment that I saw in the theater. Almost all the other ones I, I enjoyed. Maybe not so much uh, Nude Bomb because. Um, a no nudity and and b um even though uh um uh, don adams is maxwell smart in it there's really not much else that uh is in it from get smart uh the chief's not in it a 99's not in it they're barely even i don't even know if they're mentioned uh yeah the whole control chaos thing it just wasn't as funny i don't think uh either the the creators of get smart had anything to do with the movie so it, it just yeah. wasn't nearly as good um, and that was a little disappointing to me too. Although I, I must admit, I have not seen that one in a long time. So I don't, I don't know if that one holds up. I'm almost afraid to watch that. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, go ahead. Uh, one that I saw in the theater that year, and I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but uh, it was, I loved it then. And, and I still do to this day is my bodyguard. I was just about to mention it. Yes. Hey, what a wonderful little movie that is that I think a lot of people are still not aware of. That was Matt Dillon and Adam Baldwin and uh, Chris Makepeace, who was the, the kid, Rudy and uh, Meatballs, uh, mm -hmm. Martin Mull, uh, uh, Ruth Gordon, the amazing cast and just this sweet little movie, a kind of coming of age high school thing. Uh, and yeah, Adam Baldwin is like, is becomes this younger kid's, or smaller kids bodyguard against a, a bully at school. And it's just a wonderful little movie. No, it's such a fun movie. I remember seeing it. I went to, I actually went to the theater and saw that also. Yeah. And it was just like, Oh, I hated Matt Dillon. I hated <laughs> Matt Dillon for so many years after that. I still hated him. He was just was such a jerk in it. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I do remember seeing that one, but it wasn't in the theater. It was afterwards. and uh, But I do remember kind of identifying with uh, Chris Makepeace's character. I mean, he, yeah. and I think typically he played characters that I, I identified with. He usually played like the, the shy, nerdy kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was uh, my bodyguard. If it wasn't an HBO viewing for me, it was a CBS Saturday night movie. Um. Because that one, it was one that just got a lot of airplay. Um, it was probably because there's not a whole lot in it that needs to be edited for television. No. Yeah. It, um, it, it, it's like a theatrical after school special. Yeah. 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 With, with more violence and, and Martin Mull. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, put wow. Martin, don't put Martin Mull in an after school special. 
I, I love looking at the uh, it, when you when you take a look at the uh, the Wikipedia, it's just like Chris Makepeace and Ruth Gordon and Matt Dillon and John Hausman. John Hausman's fourth billing. <laughs> and then we got to go three more down to get the Adam Baldwin, and he's still billed higher than Martin Mull. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this was one of those films. It was uh, uh, the scene where they're on the motorcycle. Yeah. And that one, it's just like one of those iconic 80s scenes. Um, and I, Indeed. there's just so many great scenes in that. And then the final fight, you know, it's mm-hmm. the redemption and everything like that, which was just yeah. awesome. Yeah. And who knew that, you know, he would have a glass jaw. It's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, that is a good one that, you know, to talk about and everything. It was just, there was also, you know, 1980 was also a year of very big musicals and everything. Yes. And the last gasp at musicals. Oh, yeah, very much so. For a little while. Yeah, for a while, but there were so many that Thanks, were, Xanadu. Yeah. Gotta talk oh, Xanadu. Xanadu. Come on. Come or on. Can't I, stop the music. Yes. Come on. I was about to say, I, I, I see your Xanadu and give you can't stop the music. <laughs> but you wait, always... wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. Is, is can't stop the music? Is that the uh Village People? That's the Village People movie? With right. Valley Perrine. It's the yeah. Village People the... and Steve Gutenberg and <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner, but you know, before yeah. she transitions, yeah. obviously, but just yeah. a bizarre cast, and it's like this sort of fictional story of the village people starring the village people exactly but (laughs) but you also you had fame that year you also had you had coal miner's daughter the jazz singer you know you had some pretty amazing things still that year that's true and i well it wasn't quite a musical but um nine to five at least the mute that the music of that the theme song was Mm -hmm. everywhere oh god dolly parton song of course yeah, I realized looking over this list that uh, there were a, a, a few cases where there were movies that I did not see this year when they came out, but I knew the TV series based on them, such as <laughs> Nine, Nine to Five and <laughs> Private Benjamin and, oh, of and Fame. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. It's pre- And it's pretty amazing because, you know, you had, you know, TV shows based off of these and it was just it was just pretty darn awesome that you had that. Also, you had, you know, that year, you know, if you want more sci-fi, you had Christopher Reeves in Somewhere in Time. What's interesting is like, uh, so Somewhere in Time comes out a week before, actually the day before Superman 2. Yeah, and it was just really <laughs> so. So if you want a Christopher Reeve double feature, uh, <laughs> Superman where Two, where the, they're kind of more romantic, the Christopher Reeve in America. Uh, in, in America, I think it was, we were a few months into 1981 before Superman Two actually comes out. Superman Two was released in late 1980 overseas, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Gotcha. All right. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. So, that, yeah, Chris Reeve was spaced out a little better in America. <laughs> <laughs> because it only can take so much. Chris That's Reeve. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I do see that. It was it was a summer movie. They moved it to they bumped it to a summer movie here yeah. in the States. It was 1981. Uh, in Australia, it was December 4th. And then uh, in the UK, it was April 9th. So, yeah, good call on that one. So it's a 1980 movie, but didn't come out until April. Yeah, and you had some amazing dramas also because you also had The Elephant Man and you had American Gigolo and Raging Bull. 
Yeah, about to say if we don't get if we don't talk about raging bull. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, you know, uh, you know, I made light at the top of the show of ordinary people, but really, uh, when you're looking, when I'm looking at, uh, Elephant Man and Raging Bull coming out that year, or even Coal Miner's Daughter, I'm thinking, how did ordinary people win? Uh, Robert Redford as director. Well, I mean, that's, that's you're probably that's not wrong. Yeah. And also, his first, his first directorial effort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but was, raging, raging bull, jeez, De Niro at his best. Yeah, it's just are, I remember at the end of the '80s when the critics were putting out their best movies of the '80s list, and Raging Bull was at the top of all of those lists. Like you know, from the very first year of the '80s, that was considered the best movie of the decade by a lot of critics overall. Oh and yeah. What's really interesting too is that both amazing. Um, both feature amazing actor and overall acting performances, but in particular, Robert De Niro in Raging Bull and John Hurt in The Elephant Man, they're both shot in black and white and released in mm. black and white, and and people don't freak out about it. Yeah. No. Because I think most of the people had still, like a lot of adults had still, you know, they had grown up with black and white movies. So this was just something that, oh, we haven't seen one in a while, but we're not going to shy away from it be- as, a, as the thing because we're, that's how they were before. It amazes me, like something about the Elephant Man, because it's just it's just so awesome. Because you had John Hurt, like we said, but you also had Anthony Hopkins. Uh, it's just awesome, and then it's David Lynch. You know, yeah. one of his first movies. And Elephant Man was produced by Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Huh. Hmm. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. And it's it was funny actually when I was at Gallifrey, that was one of the questions that some when we did the big you know Q and A with John Hurt, um, someone asked him what was it like working with Mel Brooks, and people were like, oh, what? And it's like, and so Hurt had to go into that, and then he said, and that's why he had no problem coming back for Spaceballs to do reprise his role, nice and everything because he said he owed his career a lot to Mel. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. There are two movies that we haven't discussed, and one of them I'm sure you guys have never heard of. Um, but one of them is uh, a little film called Midnight Madness. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, love this film. It was another one that got heavy replay on HBO. And um, one of the first ones for Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. He was such a little kid in that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, David Naughton, right? The guy from the Dr. Pepper commercials. Yep, yep. And he was, and he was the star. He was the star. Yes, he yes. was the headline. Him yeah. and Eddie Deason. Right, Eddie Deason, of course, the ultimate uh, nerd guy from yep. every movie yep. back then. But yeah, yep. that that was kind of in the spirit of it's a mad, 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 mad world, which Hollywood Very has, much so, Hollywood has was... tried again and again over the years to do that again. And Midnight Madness was one of those movies with like a I, giant cast I, I, in a giant competition. And yeah, it was, and it was I really fun. enjoyed it. It was a good little film with uh, all the clues popping up everywhere. That uh, was so much fun to, to watch. Um, just enjoyable. But there was another one that means a lot to me because I still remember going to the theater to see it. Um, and it's a film called Hero at Large. Oh, John yes. Ritter. Oh, yes. John Ritter. Yes. Oh, now we're talking. Uh, I actually saw mind, that at the theater. Yeah. Because I in saw... America, Superman 2 doesn't come out until 81. Here is your superhero movie for the year. Is Hero oh my at gosh, Large with yeah. John Ritter. 
Yeah. As well um, as a Captain Avenger, something like Captain that. Captain Avenger, yeah. And the idea was that, you know, wrong place, right time, dressed in the superhero outfit, he stops a robbery, and they hire him for, uh, the like, the city hires him to be a promotional gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember, like, at the end, he winds up becoming a real hero by, by like, saving somebody from a fire or something like that. Like rescues a child from a burning building. Right, because he had already given up and everything at that point. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those movies that, like, at the time, uh, at, at this time, where you're making a film and it's, you know, it's like 90 minutes long, maybe 100 minutes tops, but you get a strong full arc of story over that time period. And I think right now we've gotten to a point where maybe we're we're like, we got to get this scene in and we got to get this scene in and we got to get this scene in. And, and this movie is going to be two and a half hours long. And I mean, I looked at, at the list of movies in the top five, the top 10 uh, on, on Wikipedia. And I don't think any of those movies with the exception of empire goes over two hours. I mean, maybe any which way you can, but you know. <laughs> Actually, that's those are pretty long. Uh, I recently did a rewatch of uh, uh, Every Which Way Will You Lose, and I was surprised it was over two hours. Oh, wow. really? Yeah, and it feels it. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not a bad. It wasn't a bad uh, trip down memory lane, but it. it I was like, I, Michelle kept walking into the room while I was watching it. She's like, "Is this still on?" <laughs> but uh, it's so. no Bronco Billy. Uh, yeah <laughs> oh no or urban cowboy we we would be remiss at this point to not mention heaven's gate the biggest hollywood disaster of all mm, time right right okay cool so there we've mentioned it we <laughs> <don't know. laughs> moving on that's the only time anybody will talk about heaven's gate for this decade uh all right i'll throw one out there that uh i it's kind of a um one that i like to look back on and since we I was just reminded of it uh, recently because we lost Kirk Douglas, but the final countdown. You know, I still haven't seen it. I don't know that one. Nope. Wow. Really? It stumped us, Mike. I really, I thought Hero at Large was going to be the end. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I mean, I do remember seeing, yeah. Um, but final countdown is, you guys, uh, I mean, I haven't watched it in a while, but it's, uh, it, it's a cool little sci-fi movie uh, about an aircraft carrier that goes it travels through time the day oh, yes 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 i, I do I, remember that one the day yep. before uh the attack on pearl harbor and then they they have to make a decision you know do they stop the attack or what do they do um and it's just that age-old time travel question you know do you start you do try to change history or or not and uh it's pretty fun it's pretty solid wow. that's awesome that's awesome and it inspired a europe song so there was uh, uh, one other one on the list but I wasn't going to mention it because we're going obscure but um, you just threw that one out and we didn't know about it so are anybody else in the room familiar with the movie Holy Moses yes okay Dudley Moore yep Yep. Dudley Moore and and another John Ritter appearance because he plays the devil (laughs) oh that's right I see that one I remember Marty Feldman in that who is Marty Feldman in that movie? Uh, good question. Aha, I do, re- I don't do remember, remember him in it, though, uh, but I can't remember the exact role. 
Well, he's just such an iconic person anyway. True. I can't blame you. You know. Do you, do you guys remember used cars? Yes. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Mm. Kurt Russell, yeah. comedy. Uh, mm. That Robert, one was one. Robert Zemeckis film. Yeah, that was one of his first ones, I think. Yeah. Yep. That was one that, uh, you know, we get together, uh, you know, whatever, with the, my friends and whatever. And we talked about stuff that we'd seen, like R-rated movies that we weren't supposed to see. And Used Cars was right up there. That was a movie that we weren't supposed to be watching, but we all tried to squeeze it in somehow uh, on on cable, and we could. No, totally understand that. It's it was just it was raunchy as hell, and it was it was awesome. Uh, definitely another one that could not be made today. No. Hey, how about Mad Magazines up the Academy? <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. Wow. We're all trying to Everybody forgot it. that one. That, that one came was, out the same week as as uh that one come out the same week as Urban Cowboy. I think so. Probably. Yeah, I, I think so. I, mean, I was so into Mad Magazine at this time that I was like, oh, what's this? A Mad Magazine movie. Okay, here we go. And then uh, I did not end up going to see it. Probably my mom told me, no, you're not going to go see that. <laughs> but uh, I think Mad. Mad just let them use the name Mad, kind of like the way National Lampoon, you know, was they were putting the name National Lampoon on comedy movies. So, okay, let's do that with Mad Magazine. And they just threw a quick scene with an Alfred E. Newman guy running around. And uh, it was dreadful. Everybody at Mad hated it. They wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, a lot of these movies from 1980, a lot, a lot of them I was too young to see, but I knew them better from the parody version in Mad Magazine. <laughs> I was looking at this list. I was like, oh yeah, I read the Mad version of that. You know, Dress to Kill. I remember reading Undress to Kill in Mad Magazine. Oh God, Dress to Kill is so horrible. <laughs> oh God, there's so many on this list. I've said, all right, seen it, seen it, seen it. Thank you, HBO. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> honeysuckle rose with willie nelson oh uh, oh god that was so horrible <laughs> or then you also of course had you know you, there's so many in here that we could still go on and on about but we're not going to because we like you guys at home so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 we i think we've extended uh exhausted this list but uh, i definitely want to hear from uh listeners out there because i'm sure we've missed some of their favorites or some of the ones that they wanted to uh, us to talk about so rise the uh, titanic come on or blue <laughs> lagoon states blue lagoon <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Blue Lagoon was on the top five of uh of the uh yeah. of the box office. So actually top ten rather. Right actually Blue Lagoon beat Blues Brothers. So Yeah, that ain't right. I think no. if they just had a nut one more week uh to go, they probably could have done it. But. I'm I have a feeling that that one won because of well, well because of two things. Uh-oh. <laughs> um two two little things. Um yeah. All right. So, um, well, that's cool. I appreciate the, uh, the trip back in time. Uh, we didn't have to go through the same thing as the final countdown, but we still got there. Um, very cool guys. Thanks so much for, uh, joining us and we will be right back with, uh, to close out the show. You cannot go. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about some easy ways to keep playing those Dungeons & Dragons games while you're stuck at home and away from your friends. So right now, most of us are having to stay in and do the social distancing thing. 
Well, that means most of our weekly activities are over for now. Or are they? Many of you who own a computer and a headset with a microphone can still have your weekly D&D games, and I'm going to tell you how. Now, there are some great programs that make it really easy to still be able to interact and have fun, like Dungeons & Dragons Beyond and Roll20 app, which help you track your game as you play, but also while using it on a computer. Okay, but then how do we actually play? You use Skype, Discord, or Google Hangouts to chat, and if everyone has webcams, you can also pull up the video and all see each other while you play too, if you want. And then you just pick a time of the week, you all meet up, possibly earlier on the first day so you can fix any technical issues, and then sit back and have fun playing D&D while also staying at home and staying healthy. This will help those who need to have that social interaction get it in a different way while also doing the responsible thing at the moment. So don't have a D&D group to play with and maybe want to try one while you're stuck inside? Well, see if you have any friends that really want to start one up and get the ball rolling or post on social media and see if you can find anyone that wants to play because right now a lot of us are stuck inside and we kind of really just want to do stuff with people. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Mr. Sunshine himself, Alex Autry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's getting the Patreon, getting the unlimited, uh, the uncensored cut of this. Um, oh, if you could only hear what happens during the commercials on the show. Oh yeah, uh, my pleasure. My pleasure coming out. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. Uh, great opportunity to to go back into the past and realize, good lord, I'm old. Oh God, yes. <laughs> Speaking of that, Mister Old Man, anything you want to shout out about? You know what? I do want to give a shout out. Um, I had the opportunity this weekend uh, while in my self contained uh, meant uh, to see a movie that is for free right now on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is uh, foul-mouthed, it is raunchy, and has some of the best character development I have seen in quite some time. Christopher Titus's movie, Special Unit. Um, if you can get the chance, if you're on Amazon Prime, it is free right now. Uh, take a minute. We, we keep saying over and over again, you can't make a movie like that anymore. And Titus proves that no, no, you can't. Um, and absolutely, you should see it. So. That is awesome. Very cool. And Mr. Kevin. This was great, guys. Thanks for having me. You know I love jumping back to the 80s. Any chance uh, any chance I get to look back at all this uh, fun stuff from, yikes, 40 years ago? Count me in. Well, you know, it's in your contract with the ESO Network. Anytime <laughs> we talk about anything from 1980 till technically the end of 1989, That's Kevin right. has to be on the show. I must be here, and I will do so happily every time 
Uh, yeah, meanwhile, find me on the Flopcast, also right here on the ESO Network. Uh, we're still doing our goofy little show every week. Uh, very often, it's 80s themed as well. We did a couple shows already this year uh, celebrating the anniversary of USA for Africa and We Are the World. And then, uh, as mentioned earlier, a couple of shows about uh, the TV shows of that same year, 1980. And I'm sure we'll be whining on and on about the 80s in future episodes later to come this year well after the apocalypse that's coming you know you could just lazily <laughs> think about i remember 1980 when things were good uh, you know what else i have for you though i wanted to uh I, i've been passing this quote along to uh, a couple of friends of mine today and i thought here with the eso audience uh, before us uh, my friend maria posted something online a couple of days ago which i thought was quite lovely uh she wrote not sure who needs to hear this but you're not obliged to write a novel or learn how to spin yarn or deep clean your house or learn a valuable life lesson during this quarantine it's fine to just with netflix and cheetos on your couch just survive it please very nice i like that quote a lot yeah, yeah. especially come you know it's being said by the man who flies to las vegas to run a five <laughs> and I, I got back from las vegas just in time <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome man you know i am so impressed you are the anti-mike that is perfect you know <laughs> which is perfect well thank you thank you sir and of course mr mike gordon as always it's my pleasure what you gonna shout out about sir uh, you know, um, a lot of people are looking at, of course, uh, social media these days, and there's a lot of doom and gloom posted throughout and scrolling through like a lot of nonsense as far as it's hard to tell what, uh, is real and what's not as far, you know, uh, and, and a lot of depressing stuff out there. But the one thing that I am holding on to, uh, and, and I don't even have to really try that hard. And I guess I just have a lot of great friends, followers, et cetera, et cetera, in my feed. But there's a lot of people doing really cool, positive things out there. Uh, a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of cosplayers uh, uh, posting uh, either uh, costumes that they, that they have, uh, have had or were going to wear, uh, or even uh, some uh, superheroes, uh, I think in South Carolina, superhero group are, are reading uh, stories uh, out on Instagram or in social media, publishing those, um, you know, and that's on a local level on a, like, you know, a celebrity level, you've got guys like Patrick Stewart who are reading, uh, Shakespeare sonnets every other day. Um, uh, as we mentioned, uh, yeah. I think, uh, I'm not sure if it's on air or off air, but the dropkick Murphys are doing a, a live show. Uh, a lot of people are doing just putting themselves out there in a positive way, uh, making sure that a lot of people out there know that, you know, it's, it's what we're dealing with is, is uncertain, but it's okay. Uh, there's a lot of like reasons to still have hope and, and smile. And uh, I love that. So um, I thank everybody out there who's contributing to that. Oh, very much so, you know, to go a little bit on to what Micah just said, um, go on to YouTube. There are so many, musicians big names and local names that are performing from their homes or from their backyards or you know from a friend's house and such and just because they can't perform at concerts and stuff you know doesn't mean that they're not going to don't want to perform and so they're 
taking it out there. Uh, Chris Feely, who does um, NPR on NPR, he does the uh, live from here broadcast, which is took over for Prairie Home Companion. Uh, Chris has been doing a, a series called Live from Home, and he's been performing and he's been doing challenges to other musician friends, and they've been playing from their their homes and everything, and they've been challenging, and it just keep, it's spreading out. There's over probably like 150 of them out there already, and this is just within a week, and it's just going to continue to grow, and it's just awesome to see these intimate performances from names that you know or names that you should know and the music is just amazing and this is you know not just affecting people who talk or or people who you know or people who even have you know teach music and people who teach art and people who you know like alex does yoga it help it hurts you know with him you know, going for uh, the performance center for DDP yoga, correct? Sir? And so, and nice. so, you know, it, it's affecting all these different things and try to support these people if you can. And just even by watching it and word of mouth. And, you know, we always like talk about doing it with ESO word of mouth and such. There's so much going on right now that, you know, if you're stuck at home, if you're stuck, you know, some people have to be in the office, but there's ways to pass the time and stuff online, just entertainment. There's people even doing, you know, online, making online communities to play Dungeons and Dragons and games and such that are looking for new people. Look for this stuff, folks. It's all out there. And it's just, you know, like Mike said, try to keep positive. Try to, there's a lot of good stuff going on, folks. And, We'll make it through this. It's not that far, you know, where we could see the light at the end, but it's going to be rough for a little bit. And even like Robert said, you know, he's making the best of it and, you know, having curbside pickup and, you know, having you know, if people want to order stuff, he'll mail out stuff to you. And it's just, it's all out there and, you know, just look for it and, you know, just try to, We'll make it through, as I like to say. We'll just make it through, and that's the best I could say for it. Speaking of making it through, we will be back again next week. Of course, we're gonna, we're not gonna stop. <laughs> God, we're foolish. We would never stop. <laughs> Silly people. We are going to be back, and we are looking at Mulan next week. That's right, folks. Hell with the studios. We're gonna look at Mulan. Yeah, we're not gonna see the live version. Nope. We're gonna look, watch the animated version, but still Mulan, and it's gonna be a great time. But until then, on behalf of myself, Mike Gordon, Alex Autry, Kevin, and of course, Robert Young, who was with us earlier, thank you all for listening. You know, looking forward to talking to you guys next week. Peace and good luck with everything. Cheers. And we're done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.